In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's not the date this was recorded on, and you're listening to episode 109 of Nitwin Geek 2. I'm Karen, and this is where Maggie would speak up if our recording hadn't crashed and lost the audio for the first 20 minutes. Yeah, there was there was a number of technical difficulties with this this particular recording. We were doing it on Skype. Skype crashed a number of times, and Maggie both lost her side of the conversation and my... Skype call recorder didn't save that first part properly. So when I start up, you'll hear me sort of start mid thing. You'll hear us sort of being like, okay, where was I? Because I could only get after the first crash. Yeah. (laughs) As you may have noticed, I'm putting out two episodes today. One of them is quite old, but like, uh, yeah, as you can tell, these were delayed partly because of, you know, personal life cluster fuckery, basically. But uh I have both the episodes for you now. And really the important thing is this one was delayed to an extent so that I can add something actually important into the beginning. I'm sure as everyone has heard by now, there were like devastating forest fires in the Fort McMurray area of Alberta, which is a, a city of about eight, 80,000 people, almost 90,000 people, I think. And it, it's a major oil and gas production area for Canada. And over the last two weeks, there were immense forest fires that threatened the town and areas around it. I know there was a reporter from McLean's who actually took the the area of the fire and superimposed it over other Canadian cities and world cities. Um, so if you imagine a fire, you know, the entire size of the fire as of like Wednesday, I believe it's Wednesday, May 7th, that there was updated to no Saturday May 7th so it was the as of the size of the fire at that point and it has it has still been going since then to get an idea of the scope of this thing like if you took if you imagine the the map of New York and you know nearby New Jersey and uh, Long Island the area of this cover fire covers all of New York including the boroughs so Manhattan the Bronx Queens and Brooklyn like a third to a half of Long Island gone um, well into New Jersey, past Newark, gone. Like that is the size of this forest fire. And, you know, as you, as you may have seen on TV, the pictures of, from people who were trying to escape are terrifying. Like, I am not kidding when they say they're apocalyptic. Like, fire on either side of a highway and raining, like, cinders. Like, it is terrifying. So obviously people there need a little help, especially because, at this point, the the city of Fort, Fort McMurray is mostly fine. The fire didn't really touch much of Fort McMurray itself, but a couple of the suburbs in that area have been completely destroyed, like completely. Like there are thousands of people whose homes are just gone and who have lost pretty much everything, especially because in this, this happened so fast. People had no time to like grab much more than like a couple belongings and just get out as fast as they could. You know, there were some people who were at work that day and who, you know, could not go back home and get anything. So there are people who like, who have lost everything in this fire. So of course the important thing is how to help. Um, there's a few ways. I mean, 
a lot of the the main one that's been getting a lot of press has been the Canadian Red Cross, uh, especially because the government has been matching funds to that. But um, I was going to mention a couple other places. If you go to charityintelligence.ca, there's a special page. It's even linked on their on their front page uh, in their column of must see stuff of different charities to help. Some of which are in Edmonton, and so are helping people that have evacuated there. Um, and some are in the Fort McMurray area so that when people can go back, they, people are still not allowed back in Fort McMurray as far as I know. So that when, but so that when people are able to go back, they can, you know, they'll have help there to help them rebuild. So at the moment, um, if you go to charityintelligence.ca, they have a bunch of different places, bunch of different places to donate, um, including because they're a, a, a charity sort of rating agency, you can check, um, for a number of them, you can check their you know, their reports and stuff like that. But a couple of the main ones, um, the Edmonton Food Bank, they have been providing food and essentials to evacuees who have fled to Edmonton. It says here, of course, they're, they're also going to send food shipments to Fort McMurray and other local centers. So of course, you can donate there to help them and also, you know, to help them also backfill because of course, they have still have people in Edmonton that they need to help. So I'm sure, you know, they're feeling a little <laughs> strapped right now. United Way of Fort McMurray and the and the Wood Buffalo Food Bank, which is a local food bank in one of the areas that was hardest hit by the fire. Um, a number of people who work there like were so committed to staying, keeping the food bank open, that they didn't have a chance to grab a bag, and they've a few people have lost everything who work there. So they would be a good place. And of course, on all, all these places, I'm they suggest that you donate money because then they can put that towards whatever they need like you know they might get like five cases of peanut butter but they could really use diapers you know that sort of thing um and often too because unless you're like right in the immediate area it's it's much easier and it's it's kind of better for the local economy if you donate money because then they can buy you know instead of having diapers shipped in from you know toronto they can buy the diapers in edmonton which supports the stores in edmonton which you know puts more money back into the local local economy that sort of thing one which i have tried to talk about for three times now and i start crying every time is the alberta spca and the edmonton humane society um both of them had been rescuing pets from fort mcmurray and you know trying to coordinate return to families um the Edmund Humane Society has also been sheltering family pets say if the the families are in a shelter where they can't have pets the the humane society has been sheltering them as well as um has gone back to Port McMurray to try and rescue pets left behind and again even you know even now like guess this is maybe a little late after it's not the immediate worst of the disaster but i'm sure they still have Family pets, they're sheltering. They're still trying to rescue pets. They're still, you know, maybe going into Fort McMurray to try and leave food and things for animals that are still there. You know, and also then to try and help them backfill their, you know, their funds for their day-to-day operations because they've, you know, all of a sudden they've had way more animals to take care of. So, you know, they still need to do their regular day-to-day stuff. And you guys have no idea how many pauses I've had to cut out of this so I don't lose my shit because I am like such a sucker when it comes to animals. I am a sappy cat mom. So yeah, so that's charityintelligence.ca slash fort dash M-C-M-U-R-R-A-Y dash fires if you want to get to the Fort McMurray page itself. And there was one other organization I saw. They're not listed with Charity Intelligence. So, you know, due diligence, that sort of thing. 
But um, another one I found is the Edmonton Emergency Relief Services Society. It's www.eerss.org. And they are providing all kinds of miscellaneous stuff. Like, I mean, I'm looking at their, their list of donations. And again, they're, you know, if you're not in Edmonton, best to cash donate. Um, but like looking at the, the program, things like, you know, children's clothes, nail clippers, dog collars and leashes, diapers, men's and women's clothes, pain medication, towels, blankets, pillows, toiletries, all kinds of stuff. They're specifically looking for new stuff. So this is where money can help because then they can just, you know, go out and buy what they need. Yeah. So if you want to help out, go to, you can go to those places. I did check on Ravelry to see if we have any listeners in the Fort McMurray area and provided no one has, you know, at least judging by people who have their location on there and provided they, you know, didn't just shorten it to Edmonton or whatever. It doesn't look like we have any listeners there, thankfully. I'm hoping that all our, you know, Canadian listeners, that if you have family in that area, that everybody's okay. At least one thing, you know, one good thing from this is that from the from the news reports I've seen, at least so far, or at least as far as we know, there, there have been very few fatalities. At the moment, it appears to be mostly just a loss, just, just a loss of, you know, property. You know, not that that's just... That's still amazingly overwhelming and devastating. And the Fort McMurray area charities will probably need a lot of help too, because um, as far as I know, most of the oil fields and things in the area are okay. Um, I'm sure it's going to take them a while to get back up to production strength. Um, not to mention this fire is still burning. So there are probably, you know, there might be transportation routes or whatever that they can't find. And then, you know, they're going to have problems because some of their workforce, you know, are not going to have homes nearby. So, you know, they, they might not have, you know, all of their workforce available because the people who were a number of the people who work for them are displaced at the moment. So, I mean, economically Fort McMurray has been not doing, hasn't been doing too well or had not been doing too well for a while because of the downturn in oil prices. So this is not going to help. So, so if you'd like to help, those are a couple of places you can do it. I'll put them in the show notes. And like I said, hopefully, you know, any Canadian listeners, if you have any family or friends in Fort McMurray, because people from all over the country have been going there to work for the last few years, because it's such a booming area, you know, hopefully your family's okay. Hopefully their animals are okay. <laughs> and anyway, so after that downer opening, <laughs> here's the rest of our episode <laughs> recorded before we went to the Leonard's Fair. So we were talking about, you know, fun stuff, because I know it feels kind of weird to segue to, to fun stuff after this. But like, you know, everybody needs fun stuff to take their mind off the bad stuff. Um, not in a let's not pretend the bad stuff doesn't happen sort of way, but in a you can only deal with so much at one point. So hopefully this is a nice, fun, relaxing episode for you. And we'll go straight into me partway through my adventures in knitting. Basically, we what got cut was all of Maggie's adventures in knitting and some of mine. So let's just go straight in, shall we? Here we go. Okay, Dokely. Okay, where was I? Uh, you had gotten, you were talking about your concal, you had gotten up to a certain chart. Yes, I had gotten halfway through chart two. Um, and then I was like, eh, this is turning out fairly dense and not that big. So I ripped it out, all of it. And started over again with slightly larger size needles, especially because I couldn't really do like a gauge swatch at the beginning or anything because the original pattern is for lace weight yarn and I'm using fingering weight yarn. Right, right. 
So obviously that won't work. So now I'm on 4.5 millimeter needles and it is turning out much more sort of open. I'm much nicer. I'm getting a much, much nicer fabric. fabric. Um, I am only like not even halfway through the first ball and I'm on the third chart, like just started the third chart. So I was kind of like, am I going to end up with tons of leftover yarn? But today I did the math. Math. Lots of math. Yep. Um, and I figured out how many stitches are in the entire shawl. Okay. Spoiler alert, there are like 63,200 stitches. And I figured out I have done 10% of them. And I have done used about 10% of the yarn. So you sh you're pretty much right on target. Yeah, so pretty much this seems to be the right you know, needle size to do if I want to, you know, use up the yarn that I have, but also, you know, not run out of yarn or not get super close to running out of yarn. And actually, if you are wondering this sort of thing, it is fairly easy in a pie shawl to do this because you only increase in certain spots. So you just add up the number of stitches you have for each or find out how many stitches there are in each section, which is basically just like how many stitches are there in the round times how many rounds in between increase sections. Mm -hmm multiply that get all the numbers for the individual se sections and then add them together so yes that is on track and it's getting a bit crazy just because there's going to be a lot of spots in the next few rows where it's like i have to watch and be careful that i'm you know knitting a stitch in between little different pattern motifs and the pattern motifs repeat but then they sort of change in the different diamonds right so I'm just carefully tracking each row by highlighting it when I'm finished it. And it's so-so eh, knit-night knitting. It's not the greatest. It probably depends on how much sleep I've had. <laughs> and how much ti how tired I am. How much tired I am. There we go. Which, considering it's, you know, at the end of a day where I've been working since 9 in the morning. <laughs> and generally running around, usually on Thursdays. But we'll see how it goes. And like you said, we have a fair bit of time right, right now. And I am also working on... Okay, I'm also working on the Unicurves socks by Jeannie Cartmill. That's U-N-I-C-U-R-V-E-S. And I'm doing them in some merino nylon sock from Indigo Dragonfly in the polite loner colorway, which is sort of a semi-solid sort of dark grayish blue. There's the pattern. Yep. Very nice. Yeah. So it makes these lovely curving shapes and wavy lines using increases and decreases as well as uh, columns of twisted stitches. They're quite pretty. And I am on the leg of the first sock. I didn't bother dividing the ball into two so I'm just going to do these one at a time. I figure that's enough considering I'm also working on the shawl. Yeah. But, and I just did, I, I didn't even really check to see what kind of heel it uses in the pattern. You just went with it? I just decided to do a, a toe-up gusseted heel. They are toe-up socks. So I just decided to do a toe-up gusseted heel and then fudge the increases for the gusset so that I could get a little more length without adding more around on the sock. When in doubt, make it up. <laughs> oh yes, I have just about enough money in my loom fund. I'm gonna do a little more so that I have, you know, some for the taxes as well as for a couple things I would like to get. And of course taxes do happen here in Canada. Yes. Yummy. But 
I have scouted out which one I want to get. I think I'm, I'm going to be getting an Ashford Rigid Heddle okay. loom. Nice. Unfortunately, no one at the Frolic has those. Or no one who's going to be at the Frolic has those. Um, but they do have them at Hand Knit Yarn Studio in Hamilton. So I will probably, probably next time I'm in Hamilton, I will be like, hey, so do you have those in a box? And, you know, can I see how big said box is and how heavy said box is? So I figure out if I want to, like, you know, lug this home on the bus. Yeah. Or if I just want to see if somebody else wants to go on a little road trip sometime. So, yes, I I am getting close to getting a loom. Which is good because I keep looking at my stash and being like, oh, those two colors together would look really pretty. Or, ooh, that, that pattern is really, that pattern, weaving pattern is really pretty. And it would look really good in those yarns I have. That's what I've started doing, too, when I tag my yarns. You are for a pro- weaving project whenever I am worthy of, of weaving with you. Yeah, and I keep looking at uh, stuff in the Rigid Head of Looms group on Ravelry. Uh, especially because I keep looking at the patterns or the, the projects that people have linked to the group. And being sort of like, oh, that looks really pretty. And I could probably do that with this yarn. So, yeah, hopefully that'll be soon. Oh, and I did finally overdye some of my sweater weight yarn a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure. I might sort of put that. Sp- I did basically one sweater's worth. And I might try and add some more tonal slash color variation to it. Right. Though if I'm going to do that, I'll likely wait for warmer weather. Because trying to dye it in big batches in the oven was a bit difficult especially because i had to apply the dye and everything in the basement pain in the arse walk them up yeah and then walk them upstairs to the kitchen and then you know there was a few times when um a little bit of dye might have gotten a little splashed around and i had to quickly try and and wipe said dye off before it you know stained like the stove and stuff remedy said situation yes basically (laughs) or at least get it to the point where mom won't notice (laughs) that little splish of purple so uh so yeah what i think i'll do is i'll probably wait for warmer weather and i'll try solar dyeing okay because that'll be much easier because then i can just bring the yarn and the dye and everything outside and like either just do it on the grass or like put a tarp down right and then i can put the dye on the yarn and everything out there and then just instead of having to pick up the trays and move them instead just leave them so it's done entirely by sunlight yeah. There's no special equipment you need. No, basically what you do is, um, I've seen people do it in like big, like sort of like Tupperware. <laughs> I'm mixing up two. I know names there, like uh, Tupperware or Rubbermaid bins that have clear lids. So then the sunlight and you, you can line the bottom of it in like black. So like I was thinking like a black. Um, you can get those inexpensive, you know, like plastic tablecloths or something like that mm, at the yeah. or something. so get a black one and then line the bottom so it holds in the heat and then but the, the sun's able to come through the top that hopefully gets it up to the right temperature for the dye to set so yeah i think i'm gonna try that slightly less messy and then considering we're starting to plan rhinebeck because we might have a whole ton of people coming this year yep that's true of course also trying to plan rhinebeck sweaters <laughs> So, like, just tonight, I was looking through Ravelry and thinking, like, okay, planning sweater knitting for the rest of the year. I would like a pullover of some kind at some point, because I have a couple cardigans now. 
and I will have one more when I finish the run that's <laughs> from last year. But pullover, but cardigans are better for Rhinebeck because we have t-shirts with logos on them. So it's also uh, if you're going in and out of the the barns and buildings, depending on how the heat changes your atmosphere yeah. changes but yeah so then thinking about like okay what sweater amounts of yarn do i have and what weights and like what sh- you know how should i divvy it up should i use the dk weight for a cardigan and like the worsted for a pullover but i already have a pullover in worsted so maybe i want to do that in dk and just sort of trying to figure out what i want to do especially because like with Rhinebeck, you never know what the weather's gonna be nope, like you never do and you never know what your summer's going to be like either, like the time that you're going to have to knit in between here and there. Yeah. You know, it could be like, I may want a sport weight cardigan for Rhinebeck because it could be unseasonably warm or it could be like last year and it could be damn cold. In which case I will be like worsted weight sweater and long sleeve t-shirt and thermals and my knit one geek two jacket and still shivering. Snowed for the very first time that I, I know of last year. Yeah, that was fun. It wasn't, and it wasn't so much like the snow. It was like if that was the wind was yeah. really stiff that day, and that was really cold, bitter cold. So yeah, trying to plan Rhinebeck sweaters is also you know playing chicken with the weather. <laughs> and I would still kind of like to do like Canadian yarn, Canadian designer, probably Glenna, for my Rhinebeck sweater this year. So I kind of need to figure that out if I'm going to do that. Um, cause then I, I need to get the yarn. Anyway, so. Geek Squee? Yes, let's move into Geek Squee. Okay, Geek Squee. <laughs> well, in the last week, we've had photos from filming of another Marvel movie. Yes, in downtown. This one of particular interest. Downtown Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, this particular <laughs> shoot that's been coming up a lot this week. Mm-hmm. Monsieur Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Yes. And I've got to say, he rocks the costume. Which, have you seen the uh, the photo mashups people have been doing? Yes, I have. <laughs> I'm actually, I just opened, I was just, just opened the one that I retweeted from Mashable, where it says, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange gets even stranger in the Photoshop battle. So people are taking a picture of him as Doctor Strange, where he's got his, like, arms over his head, looking all intense. And, like, photoshopping him him out of that photo and into other ones, including one where he's, like, <laughs> where he, he looks like he's DJing at some sort of <laughs> rave. party or rave. <laughs> or another one where it looks like he's just sent a ball down an alley at a bowling, uh, going bowling. Uh, I've also seen artwork where it's uh, clearly Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock looking over at... Doctor Strange going, hmm, nice collar. You with your collar turned up to look cool. Yes. And I'm I'm sorry, Benedict Cumberbatch does really good with, you know, high collars and big swooshy capes and coats. He does really well at it. Mm Mm-hmm. He has the sort of, the figure for it. (laughs) It it just hangs off those cheekbones is what it does. But yes, uh, and not only was he filming in downtown Manhattan, but he also visited a comic book store in costume. That was cool. 
That was pretty amazing. And I can only imagine what it would be like to be one of those people. I'm sorry. I mean, if I ever... I don't expect I will ever become um, an A-lister like Monsieur Cumberbatch. But if I was ever in that position where I was a superhero in the vicinity of a comic book store, you better bet your ass I'm going to go look at costume and say, I'm borrowing this for the next hour or so. It, it's cool. <laughs> it's coming back. But I'm borrowing it. Like, now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm on my lunch break. I'll be back in a few. Is, I cannot imagine the guys behind the counter, who, what their faces must have been like. <laughs> like. When Doctor Strange comes in to buy the newest Doctor Strange comic. Yeah, and yeah, I will admit, yeah, something about the cape and the gray temples and the arched eyebrows. Oh, Ben, I thought I was over you. Oh, and the artful cut on the cheek that perfectly lines the cheekbone. the cheekbone. It's like, mmm. That doesn't even look accidental, like, in-universe. It looks like some enemy was like, hmm, what can I do to him that will perfectly outline those cheekbones? Almost as if, ooh, I could cut myself on those cheekbones. Cheekbones. <laughs> oh, no, wait. I could cut you on those cheekbones. <laughs> Oh, Ben, I thought I was over you. You're a family man and everything, but uh the capes and the and the big float in the collar is just ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, this is not helping you get over. This him. is not helping me get over him. Okay. Well, anyway, let's move on to something else before you, you know, explode with lust. Yes, please do. So, I don't know if anybody else has seen, but Oh, come on. Who are we kidding? Everybody else has been <laughs> Who stalking Who are we this. talking to, Maggie? Yeah, um, so Sherlock season four has started Has started its filming. Yay! Woo-hoo! It's like... Finally! About frickety-frackety time. Not only has it started filming, but it, the director this time is female. Who was it? Was it in the past who was female and was constantly begging the fans, please, please, please do not clog the streets of london and the fans always did anyway well the one of the executive producers that would be it. Uh, is sue virtue that's it who is so yeah it's kind of nice that they have like a female director on this time it should be interesting to see what she does with it yes rachel i'm am i pronouncing this right talali uh i have no clue okay well let me get the article she back is again. a director for doctor who the flash and tank girl Ooh. so um Hello, hello action, mate. And from what little bits and pieces that have been leaked regarding, you know, substance of what we're going to be seeing, this is going to be, yes, of course, Sherlock is is back in London. You know, spoiler alert, Sherlock is still in London. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, everybody's going to be having to deal with the dynamic of the Watsons being parents. Yes. And I'm like... Which should be interesting. Oh, Sherlock around the baby. Oh, this will be fabulous. Oh my god. I just had this mental image of, like, Mary Watson charging into the fray, or into danger, and being badass, and, like, holding a gun in each hand, and she's got, like, the baby Bjorn on the front. Oh yeah, I could see that, totally. And the kid just <sighs> sleeping up against her chest. Yep, John being absolutely scant. What are you doing? 
doing? Well, I'm sorry. It was nap time and I still and I needed to save the world. So you make do with what you have, John. I could see uh, Sherlock being really, John, statistically, the, you know, the percentage chance of the child actually getting struck by a bullet in a bullet in the vital organ. John going, shut up. Oh, she totally would have a bulletproof baby Bjorn like Kevlar. Yeah, probably. So, yes, of course, other than that, they're being like very cagey as to what is actually going to happen in the, in the season. Big surprise. Well, we've had Sherlock has had a romance, even if it was pseudo-staged for a case. John and Mary have gotten married and pregnant, and so, what else? Hmm. Anyways. And in other big franchisey news, the trailer for Star Wars Rogue One came out, which... Looks pretty interesting. Basically, Rogue One is a movie, from what I understand, that takes place... It's a new movie that takes place in between, like, episode three and episode four. Sort of just before episode four. So even though it's part of the Star Wars universe and everything, it's not in the continuity of the current movies. So it's going to have an entirely different cast then. So they are um, so they are literally hopping the timeline all over yeah. the place. Oh, Lord. Of course, the nice thing about this, though, is from the look of the trailer, the lead character and the person whom the fate of the universe you know, let rests on is female. And this is why there is a problem on the internet. Yes. Oh, Lord. Because, of course, you have a whole bunch of man babies who are crying about this. Lord of mercy. Do they have any reason that... That this isn't correct other than the fact that she's female? Well, they're... Okay, so a lot of the the criticism that I've seen so far and the stuff that the, the Mary Sue has mentioned um, is that, well, <laughs> they keep saying that the female character that they're making a Mary Sue, which is basically generally a self, you know, sort of author self-insert. Yeah character in fanfic who like mainly the main characteristics of are everyone loves her except for the villains she's better at everything than anyone else she's usually related to someone else in the story so like in a harry potter thing she'll be like dumbledore's granddaughter and she's better at flying than harry and she's smarter than hermione and gets better grades than her and she's even better at you know spells and stuff than some of the teachers Mm. and everybody loves her and she's so perfect except for you know some kind of flaw you know the only flaws she has is like she cares too much or something like that Ah. so i mean and it's something that everybody does when they're writing fanfic so like guys said this about ray in star wars the force awakens and now they're saying it about this one because basically the female character in this one her basically her task in this movie is to steal the plans for the death star (laughs) She is how they get the star for the death plans for the Death Star and figure out how to destroy it. Uh, and this is where the whole many Bothans died to bring us this information. Yes. And basically, guy, some guys are complaining. They're like, oh, they're just Mary Sue's. And it's like, perhaps, but this is the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and if you look at, oh... I don't know. Earlier movies of the Star Wars universe? I think I can think of someone who is, you know, fairly perfect, 
better at certain things than like most other people just because they happen to be really talented and their name is Luke Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like that type of character is very common in movies, but it's usually a dude. (laughs) It's usually a dude who is the chosen one. Yeah. And so like, I ain't gonna complain if ladies finally get to fill that role. It's like, y'all didn't have a problem with this sort of role until it was a lady in it. Plus, we don't know for sure that it's a Mary Sue. For all we know, she could have serious disabilities. She could have all kinds of, you know, things working against, you know, personality traits that work against her. Yeah, and I mean, but and even then, like, that sort of thing, that again is something that people would will complain about. Um, there was something I had a... I was having a conversation on Twitter with one of the hosts of the Level 7 Access podcast the other day because I guess she had, McCall, who writes for Hypable, has been seeing some of the, some of the criticism online. There we go. And some, I guess some people were saying stuff about like, oh, maybe she's like too rash or too tough or too, you know, she's not likable, whatever. And she was pointing out, as she says, dude heroes get to be jerks all the time. Yep. That's true. I, I responded to her with, hell yes, but you know, Star Wars has never had a character who's tough and kind of abrasive, but we love any... Wait a minute! Han Solo Yolo. looking at you. <laughs> so again, like, yeah, okay, maybe she isn't going to be like a super likable per- likable character, but like, how often are the, do we get to have dudes that are not likable, but they're played off as, like, the anti-hero? And again, it's nice to have, be able to have ladies in those roles as well. So, like, suck it. And trust me, guys, if you say, I am not going to go see this movie, I don't want to watch it, I'm like, fine, stay at home. The women will go see the movie. Well, and there was, like, a whole... I remember when the when the Star Wars Force Awakens came out, there was some men's rights website that was all like, oh, we had this poll about like, you know, now that you know about like all the social justice warrior stuff in the, in the movie, would you go to see the movie? And like, you know, of the like 600 people who voted, you know, like 40% or whatever said no or something like that, they wouldn't go see it. And then, like, they're like, well, if you extrapolate to, like, the number of hits we get in a day and multiply that by the average ticket price, then, you know, that's, like, $4 million Which is, that they're losing out on. That's... And I'm like, ah, ha, 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 And then, meanwhile, this is, like, they posted this, like, on the Friday, I think, the movie came out. And meanwhile, it's like, oh, hey, it's Sunday. By the way, they made, like... A butt ton of money and four million dollars as they drop in the bucket. I was gonna say four million (laughs) dollars is chump change. Yes, I'm sure they're crying all the way to the bank. Yeah. So yeah. Needless to say, I am now more interested in this movie than I even was before. Yeah, I might. And before it was sort of like, eh, I'll probably go see it. Now it's like I'm going to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm actually curious about it now. But in cuter Star Wars news. I saw this. There was a family at I think they were at C two E two. Um, the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, I think it is. And they were getting a lot of press on like the Mary Sue and other sites because it was an interracial family as Ray, Finn, and Baby 8 from Star Wars. The baby was dressed up as BB 8 and it's so adorable. <laughs> they are, so the people were calling them the real Finn and Ray um, because the, they are actually a couple. 
So they got a lot of press for that, and now they have done a photo shoot with a photographer, Robert Lance Montgomery, and it is the cutest thing ever. You can find the the family's Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash family fun cosplay. I love their header picture. <laughs> Ray and Finn running from an explosion. Yeah, I was just about to say there's some uh, Photoshop work or at least some uh, effect work in yeah, some in the, of the images. You can see the entire photo shoot at the photographer's website. It's www.rl photoart.com and under the blog the blog post for april 5th 2016 you can see all the photos have you seen the full photo shoot maggie i'm at the uh rl photo art site now it's so cute they actually had a thing so they actually did a photo shoot in a desert just out basically um about an hour and a half south of salt lake city utah So the entire thing looks so real and so awesome. I love the one where they're running from the TIE fighters exploding in the background. Yes, it does. It's it... And also just the the Photoshop the, the photo of them smooching on the sand dune, just the just the posing and everything is so perfect. Yes, that's a good one. And I'm sure like all the Finn and Ray shippers <laughs> have like saved this photo. And have it, pl- you know, plastered all over <laughs> as inspiration. It looks so amazing. Baby's so cute. So yeah, yes, you should is. really see the, the photo shoot because it's amazing. It's so awesome that they were able to like go to an actual desert to do a photo shoot. It looks like they also put some effort and obviously time and effort into their cosplay too. Oh yeah, their cosplay is like dead on. Okay. So another thing that we found on the internet, like... This time about a awesome nine-year-old who I seriously want to be when I grow up because holy crap, she is a badass. I know. I've seen her. Um, I've seen the story from several tangents, from CNN to the Mary Sue to like all kinds of other sites. She's she is amazing. Yeah. So earlier this, basically, um, there was a news story that came out earlier this week about a nine-year-old journalist, Hilda Kate Lysiak. Um, who is basically the sole journalist on Orange Street News, which is a sort of online newspaper devoted to the small town of Sellins Grove, Pennsylvania, which has like a population of 5,000 people. So she's the only person who is devoted to exclusively covering the local news. And she's got like quite a following. And for such a young age, she covers a lot of the... uh... She's written extensively on vandalism, drug use, and harassment in Selen's Grove. So she is not afraid of the tough subject matter, and her parents are in full support of yeah of her journalism. Um, and she sort of came to notice recently when she was the first reporter on the scene of a murder in Selen's Grove last weekend, mainly because some when she posted this story. Some of the local residents were kind of scandalized that a nine-year-old was around this story. They kind of had the nerve to say what happened to tea parties and dolls. And, um, yeah, really? You went there? Really? Yeah, one commenter lit on the Orange Street's Facebook literally said, nine-year-old girls should be playing with dolls, not trying to be reporters. Okay, you are the you are what dismissive and you, sexist and terrible that is to be to begin. You with. are you are officially what's wrong with the world. Yeah. Meanwhile, like she takes this seriously. Like 
in the article that I'm looking at on the Mary Sue, like they mentioned, like she has sources in town because people trust her. You know, they said, she said, she told the Washington Post, I got a good tip from a source and I was able to confirm it. So she learned that they were investigating, the police were investigating a murder on Ninth Street, which is a few blocks from her house. Um, so she was the first reporter to arrive on the scene. So she did exactly what any reporter should do. She went and knocked on doors of the neighbors to find out, you know, what was going on and find out, you know, background. And then she wrote up a breaking news item, which... Um, her father, who was a former reporter from the for the Daily News, which is sort of a the newspaper that covers the larger area, he you know proofreads it and posts her articles for her. And then she went back to the scene and gathered enough information to publish a full story and a full story as well as video taken by her twelve year old sister. <laughs> Yep, which is cool. And photos hours ahead of this other local paper, which works on, which reports on the rest of the Susquehanna Valley. The mayor of her town was not so supportive. Yeah. She called the, uh, the news story sensationalist, but she is not afraid of all of this negativity. In fact, contrary to that, she made a, an, a video and basically said to the com- to her critics if you want me to stop covering the news then you get off your computers and do something about the news there is that cute enough for you <laughs> and i'm like oh 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 this girl is awesome yeah so basically this girl is a stone cold badass yes she is and i want to be her when she grows up no kidding Shit. like somebody follow this girl this is this is not lewis lane in the making this is better than lewis lane <laughs> So yeah, so she basically, basically dropped the mic <laughs> in response to her critics. Yes, she did. And she's gotten a lot of really supportive messages on her Facebook as well. Yeah, I love it. There are people coming out in support and uh, and against her parents as well for for their part in this whole situation. I'm like, really? They're, they're letting her grow in her area of strength. What else should I be doing as a parent but supporting her? And she's clearly doing it better than some of the people who are, you know, four times her age. So, you know what? Yeah, and it looks like her parents are being really supportive. And she is, you know, and they were able to make sure that she's able to deal with this, you know, darker stuff that she's being sort of exposed to. She's And she's clearly, she's not taking risks. She's going with her father to, um, to certain places. And, you know, she's following up on things as she should properly it's not like she's running headlong into say gang headquarters with a barbie microphone saying can i get an interview yeah no. and she's clearly able to cope with this stuff because i mean and i mean that's something that like people underestimate kids about anyway like yeah. generally like, kids know about this stuff anyway and they can cope with a lot of stuff if they have you know the ability to like kids are going to know about this stuff anyway <laughs> better to be able to like discuss it and deal with it rather than just be like oh you should just go play with toys because you know because that's also because that's sort of you know concern about like oh no is she being exposed to you know these darker things it's like that is also like a very privileged sort of concern too because like there's a lot of kids who live surrounded by this kind of violence you know they don't get the choice (laughs) okay so let's move on to fun stuff yes oh and you know considering we're talking about reporters you know and we mentioned Lois oh, Lane. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, Batman uh, versus Superman came along, came out. I'm sure you've heard reviews of it by now. I haven't gone to see it. I don't really intend to. Nope. Um, it was a thing. It was there. And yeah, move Let's on. Let's move along. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, so Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. I'm starting on a bit of a crush that of somebody else's project. Michelle has started knitting this pullover from Twist Collective. And I'll have to admit that I really, really like it. The one problem, though, is that it's in fingering weight. So I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Um, it is the Akibia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm mm-hmm. saying that a lot tonight. Akibia by Kate Gilbert, and it's in Twist Collective Fall of 2014. And what it is is a pull, long sleeve pullover that is pretty much a stocking knit stitch, but it has uh, detail work, yoke, you know, two color design in a thick yoke cuff and around the hem in one contrasting color of what looks like a scrolling ivy leaves and floral work mm-hmm. and then right at the very very edges of the neckline the cuffs and the hem is a very bright pop of color just something that is uh obviously hemmed underneath yeah it looks like a turned hem and yeah. then the hem is in a separate, a different color than either the main body or the color work on the body. So like in the picture, it's from T- Twist Collection. Yeah, it's from Fall 2014 Qu- Twist Collective. And so the main sweater is in this sort of like medium gray. The color work parts of it are in white. And then the, the hem and cuff, the hem at the cuffs and the the collar and everything are in this bright orange. And it looks really sharp. Mm-hmm. It's just a fingering waist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could pretty much bet that, yeah, that that middle tummy part where there's absolutely nothing but yards and yards and miles of gray stocking net stitch. Yeah, that would definitely be TV knitting. Yeah, well, speaking of that, <laughs> I've also had a sweater that has been something of an obsession recently that I've suddenly got a bee in my bonnet that I really want to do, which is uh, also in fingering weight (laughs) and also has color work. This is the Cockatoo Bray sweater. It's C-O-C-K-A-T-O-O-B-R-A-E by Kate Davies. And it's from her Yokes ebook. And it's really pretty. It's a bottom up one piece cardigan with um, fair isle sort of patterns at the yoke. Oh, so if it's even bottom up, you don't get to the fun part until the end. Nope. Oh. And it's basically done in the round and then steaked, so, which is where you put a few extra stitches in the middle of the sweater, and then you sew or crochet on either side of the side of those stitches to stabilize it, and then you cut up the middle of the sweater to make it a cardigan. And then you turn under those extra stitches as a hem, sew them down, and then pick up stitches for a butt for button bands on either side. So yeah, it's it's really pretty. <laughs> and I have yarn, like leftover yarn, in my stash that I I double checked it. I have enough. I would just have to get a skein or two of the the background color of the the background color for the Fair Isle bit. I do have two skeins of 
Knit Picks palette in Abyss Heather, which would make a really nice body color considering the, the colors I have for the yoke are blue, except for I was going to do the center line in like red. So I have two balls of the Abyss Heather, which means that's two balls I don't have to buy. I would have to get more, but you know, I don't have to get as much as I otherwise might. The only problem is, as we said, it's in fingering <laughs> weight. Oh, what have we been drinking? And it's miles and miles and miles of fingering weight. What the hell have we been drinking? I don't know. Obviously, we've been drinking the, the, the good crack. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's, is this a contender for a Rhinebeck? Part of me is thinking yes, and part of me is thinking, are you crazy? Maybe this could be a Rhinebeck in the next five years. Yeah, I'm thinking part of me is like, plan on having another sweater as the Rhinebeck sweater, and then also work on this one. And if this one gets done in time, then it gets done in time. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Because I was thinking like, okay, so I get to the stockinette part, especially because it's in the round. Yeah. Depending on how the yarn, what the yarn is like, it could be movie knitting. Very much, yeah. Because really, you know, you're just going around in circles, so I could just sit there and, like, knit away. And it is getting to, and I, I do sort of feel a little pressure to figure this out soon if I'm going to do it and to get yarn and stuff like that. Because yeah. we're coming up on movie season, where I will be seeing a number of movies, some of them more than once. Oh, yeah. Some of them you will be weeping into your knitting. Yes. That's, that's besides the point. Yes, could very well be weeping into my knitting. Which, by the way, there's, it's the embargo for reviews and comments about Captain America Civil War just lifted as of yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so far, the sort of very, very vague reviews that people have started mentioning are, are fairly pretty positive so far. So yes, there's that. I might be seeing that more than once. <laughs> You're going to subject yourself to crying in the theater more than once. Possibly. <laughs> How mean, many I... times are you going to sneak booze in? Oh, I don't know. That's a thought. <laughs> really? We are not advocating that not anybody advocating else do this. this. <laughs> we are not advocating doing this, because this is the sort of stuff that will get you kicked out. But it is a serious thought. Um, the only thing with cockatoo bray is I would have to fudge with the gauge a little bit, because the largest size is not my size. So I think I uh. might... And of course, the other good thing about me having the Abyss Heather already is I can do a swatch, like now. Yeah, that's um, true. So I, what I might do, and she has the gauge listed in the pattern on Ravelry, so I don't oh. even have to buy the ebook to do the gauge swatch. So what I might do is do a gauge swatch sometime soon, so I can start figuring out, you know, whether to get the size I need, the gauge would be too loose and not look right, in which case it would be more like, okay, this would be something I would have to do with, say, sport weight yarn and adapt the pattern right. sort of thing. But you should really take a look at it, because it is a gorgeous sweater like the color work is gorgeous and i love i've been looking through the the completed projects and looking at the the variations in the color you know the colors chosen for the color work and some of them are just gorgeous now speaking of uh fingering weight yarn have you seen the new stuff from blue moon fiber arts no blue moon fiber arts has two new yarns one is called feather light and the other is super sparkle i'm assuming there will be a blog post about it yes Ooh. Okay, so Featherlight is a fingering weight single ply. That is light and lofty. Ooh. Yeah, so about 19 bucks American for 
113 grams, 430 yards. It's not bad. 100% merino wool. That could be very pretty. And then super sparkle. Ooh. <laughs> Four ply superwash merino with addition of a silver lyric slimmer, shimmer fingering weight yarn. So it's plied in as a continuous filament. So hopefully that means then it won't break and sort of stick out like some of the, the, the sparkly yeah. yarns I've seen. Like a stray uh, stray hair. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the other things I saw about this, although I'm not sure where I read it, if you choose to over-dye the yarn, basically the silver will not be dyed. Yeah. Yeah. It basically, yeah, it says the lyrics is silver and stays that way no matter how we dye it. So yeah. it will always sparkle. And they've got it in the let it go colorway, which is perfect for it. <laughs> it looks amazing. Yeah. Pretty stuff. It looks really pretty. And that's $17 American. Yeah, those look really pretty. Like I really needed the incentive to buy more yarn. I am so happy that the Purple Pearl carries socks at rock now. Yeah. Or at least Blue Moon Fiber Arts. I'm so happy that they do. Because I will be hitting that like a ton of bricks. <laughs> well, I don't know if they'll be getting the new yarns, but... I don't care if they don't get the... At least they have the socks that rock. At least they have it yeah. at all. So because... that I can occasionally... Pick up a skein for movie knitting. Uh, or for weaving. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that have taken uh, the socks that rock and find, found the appropriate dimensions for pooling and used it as a gradient. Ooh. For the, I'll show you the next time I, we're together, I have seen some absolutely stunning weaving patterns that purposefully use the uh, pooling as a gradient warp. Ooh, nice! And it just cascades from one color to the other as it goes down the uh, goes down the warp. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this yet, but I'll be damned if I don't find a way. <laughs> I just saw they have uh, something now called color story, color work bags. So oh. you can get a bag of yarn of... Each bag contains five 100-yarn skeins of Rainier, a soft and lively DK weight superwash merino. And they've put together them into, like... So basically they put them into, like, different sort of colorways. So say if you were doing color work or, you know, stripey shells or something like that, you can get five different colors that all sort of work together. Right. One of the colorways is called Unicorn Toots. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's all very bright colors. I love the naming. Mm -hmm. All right, people. So is everybody else going to... All right, are people going to the Frolic? Are you going to be going to Rhinebeck later this year? Are you going to be going to any of the other knitting uh, conventions that are around the country or in your area? And are you making something uh, to wear? Like, are, are you having the, uh, the same sort of crack that Karen and I are having where we're <laughs> deciding on, you know, we're contemplating knitting fingering weight sweaters oh, for the love of all, all things sane. Yeah, and I think we can leave it here. I think I, I think I kind of want to go downstairs and grab that, that skein of Abyss Heather and starts watching. Okay, and on that note, we're all going to say bye-bye. Yep, bye. Thanks for listening. You can find old episodes or comment at our blog at knit1geek2 dot mtpockets.org that's k-n-i-t-1 g-e-e-k-2 dot m-t dash p-o-c-k-e-t-s dot o-r-g you can find us on twitter and on periscope at at knit one geek two you can also discuss the episodes and other geeky things at a revelry group just search for knit one geek two in the groups tab you can also email us at knit one geek two 
at gmail.com. And remember, in space, no one can hear you squee. Okay, I'm still recording though. You froze. Audio is still going. Look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? How do I make this about yarn? I really need to change the word. Gotta make a song about the stash. It's all about the stash, about the stash, about the stash. No trouble. Bugga 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 bugga. Oh oh oh. Somewhere. No. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Shit, did I miss an increase? Ah, oh, fuck you, rubber ducky. Where's my, where's my tail? Fuck it, I don't care. Deal with it next round. In Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. So we were talking about sweaters earlier, and that's pretty much <laughs> what a lot of this is going to be about. Um, oh, did I lose you? Dooby dooby doo. One, two, three, four. And increase on the row. I'm sorry you gotta listen to this. Half shells on the heroes four. This day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with muggins mysterious. All police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source of this leasely. Anyway, uh, I can't do that like I used to. Spasmatas! I still gotta make banana bread. Shit! Just throw on some pop, throw on some music, and we'll see what I can sing in a membrane. Yeah, it's just the thing you need for bacon. Hello! I stopped talking when, um,. I noticed that the call dropped, but uh, when you get this audio file, you'll hear me singing to my knitting in between takes. <laughs>